this is Thoughts Become Things. With each episode, we'll help you reach the highest creative potential that God has for you. With your host, a teacher, life coach, a dream coach, and motivational speaker, Jeremy Lopez. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another exciting podcast of Thoughts Become Things. I'm Jeremy Lopez, and I'm thrilled and honored to be with each one of you today. I really am. And I tell you, God is so good, is He not? I mean, there are so many great things that are just evolving, you know, in the world, but more more importantly, evolving inside of each one of us. It's, you know, the scripture that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that just so relaxing and strengthening at the same time? Because the truth is, it, it makes us understand that we don't serve a God who's far away, but yet a God who is not just near us, but a God who is in us. And and that's the hope, knowing that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so it's a powerful, really peace that really should take us over and begin to cause us to really say, you know what? There is truly nothing on this planet I cannot accomplish because God has willed me because he's given me, even the Bible says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And so let's just face it, folks. You know, if we don't have anything, or if we can't do something in this on this planet, guess what? It's our own fault, right? Because God is saying, I can do all things through Christ. And so, you have a strength, you have a power, you have a resurrection, you know, spirit in you that can resurrect, that can strengthen, that can uh, reorganize, that can uh, build, that can create, that can tear down and destroy if need be, right? I mean, so there's a lot of powerful things that each one of us house inside of us. And today, I'm a excited, of course, because we're on this amazing month that we've jumped jumped in and sort of jump-started my book for this month of February, which has been um, Freedom From Religion. And and it's been amazing because we've had so many people buy this book. And, you know, and, and I know some people, I know many of you will look at, you know, listen to this and you're like, well, you know, I'm just going to pull from what I can can in the podcast or, you know, your, your Monday Live on Facebook or Instagram, Jeremy. But the truth is what my books have have are nothing of what I even talk about. So you're actually going to miss about a hundred percent more revelation on the subjects I'm talking about that are not even things I discuss, that are all in the book. And that's why it's so important for people to, to understand the, the, the importance of downloading each book every month. You know, if you're not on the book, uh, book of the month club, download the book every month. You're talking about $6.99 or $8.99, right? I mean, this is something that's really inexpensive and it's going to change the rest of our lives forever. And that's the key thing I want people to understand is religion, for, uh, freedom from religion is one of my top selling books right now for that reason. Because people read it and say, I did not realize I was more religious than I thought it was, Jeremy. You know, I'm not spiritual. I'm not free. I am more religious, you know, with the do's and the don'ts and the traditions and, you know, uh, and all this other stuff. And I've been talking about these for a couple of weeks for this month of February. But I want to say something today that to help give you guys some points on um, sort of a more some powerful points that you guys can sort of keep a check in your spirit about. Because a lot of times when we deal with religion,
religion and traditions and religiosity and religious spirits, we're dealing with actually dysfunctionality within ourselves. Because there's a, there's a mechanism in us that, that, that says, I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. I don't want to be frowned upon. I don't want somebody to give me, you know, to walk by me and talk behind my back. You know, I want people to smile at me. You know, I want people to like me. I want people to love me. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I hear people in my life coaching sessions to say, oh, I don't care if people don't like me. I'm going to tell it like it is. You know, because I'm on fire for the Lord. And I said, then you really are in error because Jesus never said, I'm going to tell it like it is. Jesus wept when someone died. Jesus said, you know, hey, go the extra mile for somebody if they ask you to. Give them the shirt off your back. Visit them in prison. Feed the poor. They're always going to be among you. Right? I mean, so, so the idea for, for ourselves to keep ourselves free, believe it or not, from traditions and religious spirits is just that, is living out a lifestyle where we can see ourselves and others and knowing that what we have, they have, and we want to bless them as well. No matter who they are, no matter what they are, no matter, you know, if they're Christian, non-Christian, the understanding is realizing that if you've done it to the least of these, these are humanity. If you've done it to the least of humanity, you've done it unto me. And sometimes we want to go directly to God to do something, and God's like, you know what? I had my son Jesus to be the mediator between God and man, Correct. What if I told you that a part of me also has a mediator to get to me as well? And that mediator is the middleman, for lack of better words, the mediator is also other humans. Think about that, folks. He used Jesus to be able to go through, to be able to approach the power of God. But then you look and you realize that he also uses others, and you know, the other seven billion people outside of ourselves to get to him as well. Now, I want you to ponder on that, because that might be like, oh, gosh, I don't know about that. Listen, isn't that what the Bible says? If you do it to somebody else, if I bless somebody else, you've done that unto me. So, in other words, if you want to do something unto me, you're going to have to go through other people. Because you're going to have to recognize the goodness and the power of the kingdom of God in other people. And plus, you have to remember, when he says, visit those in prison and feed the poor and the homeless, here's the understanding of that. You know, when we talk about uh, visiting those in prison, he didn't say only if they've been redeemed, only if they're spirit-filled, only if they're Christians, because that's what religious people think. And if you think that, you might be religious, right? You know, what's he saying? You might be religious if you blah, 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 you know? And so that's the key understanding here is, if you're thinking, well, I don't know, it all depends on who they are, what they are. Well, you know what? Jesus never said that. He's like, I don't care what they are. If they turn to me, if they didn't turn to me, if they're Hindu, Buddhist, atheist, I've said, I've said that if you visit those in prison, if you clothe those who are naked, if you feed those who are hungry, you've done these things to me. And so to get to God, you're going to have to go through other people. So when most people say, I go directly to him, I say, that's great. That's 50% that, uh, that you're receiving from the Lord. That's awesome. There's another 50% you will never receive from God. Well, the Bible says no good thing will he withhold from me. You're exactly right. But continue the scripture. No good thing will he withhold from me for those that walk uprightly. Right, rightly means right standing. It's the same other word as righteousness. It's righteousness. It's right standing, which means you're going to have to be aligned in where you're standing of what God, where God wants you to stand. 
So, once again, that scripture is letting you know, where are you standing? Are you standing in the place under the river to be able to give to other people and love other people and bless other people and visit other people? Because that's your rightly standing right there. So, once again, there's your 50% rightly standing of the part of God you will always, you always miss the rest of your life. Right? Well, Jeremy, you know, atheists and, and, and non-Christians, they can't teach me anything. And, you know, so I can give them some clothes and feed them and everything, but they won't, you know, they, they can't do anything for me. I beg to differ. I've seen where the Bible, where God used a donkey. I've seen where God says, you know, God raised up kings that were not even godly kings. Right? God has, God will raise up and use anyone he wants to. He's used stubborn prophets before in the Bible. He told Hosea to marry a prostitute for goodness sake as a sign unto Israel. Right? So don't say that God doesn't use anyone else. Right? We want a Christian president, a Christian this, a Christian that. And I'm like, that would be amazing, but let's get biblical. I'd rather stick to the Bible and not what, not in the yes club of Christianity where everybody agrees the same way. And that's what many of you want, unfortunately, is you want a yes club where everybody is Christian, everybody thinks the same walk. Now, do we want that to happen? Everybody experience the experience of Christ? Absolutely we do. However, you have to be able to give God room to be able to say, it's not just about you. It's about other people outside of the sheepfold, for lack of better words, that need what you have because you're going to give them God and they, in return, will give you God. The God that you rejected, the God that you abandoned, the God that you thought was dirty, the God that you thought was in prison, the God that you thought just wasn't good enough for you, the God that you thought was outside of the sheepfold. He's going to give you that kind of God because that kind of God is the, is the part of God that the that the that when you look in the Old Testament, I mean the New Testament, and you think about all the Jews crucify him, crucify him. He's going to give you that God to say, so are you going to crucify them slash me, or are you going to love them slash me? No matter who they are, what they are, if they're dirty, smelly, stinky, whatever, right? And so these are amazing things. And you might say, but I thought you were going to talk about religious spirits and religi religiosity. I actually am. Because all these things literally are a shield that keeps the religious attitudes, personas, and spirits out of your life. So, let me give you guys some points that will help you out a little bit more. And that is this. When we deal with religiosity, here's one of the things you have to understand. The number one thing I'm going to say to you, and I'm not saying this in order, okay? In chronological order, no. But the first thing I'm going to say to you that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to learn to love yourself. And check yourself at the front door. Loving yourself is powerful, but if you love yourself truly, you will check yourself at the front door, which means I'm going to check my heart. I'm going to make sure that there's nothing in me that God is dealing with. And, and, and you know, because let's just face it, you're never going to find yourself saying, you know, um, okay, well, I check my heart and God's like, I'm clean completely, nothing to deal with at all. You know, the Bible says if you've sinned, if you say you haven't sinned, you've sinned already. So that means you're always going to have something that God can work on. 
It doesn't always mean that God is trying to keep you held down, you know, keep the good man down, you know, or, or, uh, for lack of better words, just sort of, you know, always look at you as dirty or filthy. No, what he's saying is you are always going to have a plank in your eye because you live in a fallen world where, where you're always constantly getting, giving information, feeding information, getting it, and, and you're always around people, you're always around the system, and you're always around everything around you that has every open door of, 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 of screwing you up, for lack of better words and fragmenting you. So there will never be a part in your life where you can say, I checked myself at the door. God said, I'm clean, nothing on me. I'm doing great, wonderful. And so, hey, you know what? I have the right to judge now. I have the right to point my finger to this person. No, we don't. Because what the point that Jesus made was this. You will always have a plank in your eye. Always. It's not check the plank in your own eye and then once you deal with that, in other words, once it's all gone and you're perfect, then you can start talking about other people. No, what he's saying is there's a plank in your eye 24-7. Why? And if you keep focusing on that plank, not to put yourself down, not to make yourself feel like you're unworthy, not to make yourself think that you're horrible then, you know, when you're not. No, we are awesome, wonderful creators that create things upon this planet. We're manifestors. We manifest things on this planet. But don't ever forget the fact that you are in a fallen world. And because you are in a fallen world, there is always something to check at the door about yourself. And that actually keeps us from not being judgmental. It literally, for lack of better words, wards off. That's not the best word to use in Christianity, but we'll, for lack of better words, we'll go for it. Wards off, keeps away, protects you from religiosity. Because religion and religiosity always want you to point to everyone else and call out their faults, tell them what's wrong with them, because you would never do this. I'm going to pray this way, and it's better prayer than you can ever pray. I'm going to do this because I'm the one with more faith than you. I can do that because, you know, God loves me more than you, right? I have a right to say this about this person because I'm not, I'm not living as an alcoholic, so, so I have a right to say something about them. Do you? I have a right to say something about this person. They're smoking over here. They're smoking weed or dope or shooting up heroin or whatever. I have a right to say, do you? Because sin is sin in general. And one sin is not greater than another. And it doesn't mean you don't go to people and try to get them, you know, to, to get the freedom from these, these substance abuses and the, and the marital abuses. Absolutely you do. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That's our job, our role, our goal is to do that. However, we have to be able to articulate it to where we're doing it in a way that's not pointing a finger, judgmental. We're doing it because the Bible says this, Thy loving kindness is better than light. Which means that your loving kindness, God, is better to me than anything. Because that's what I need that heals me, is your loving kindness. And that's why we read in scriptures such as, you know, um, where we see, you know, uh, he says, you know, about his faithfulness, his mercy that endures forever. You know, we read scriptures, you know, such as uh, understanding that it is his loving kindness that draws men to repentance. So God will never use anything else outside of loving kindness. If, if he uses loving kindness to draw people, what makes you think you've got another tool underneath your belt that's going to be better than loving kindness, right? Think about that. Well, he might do this, but I'm going to do this. That's called antichrist. That means you're doing something outside of Christ. And when you do that, you open up yourself to everything imaginable when it deals with religiosity. And there is no telling what loop, what, what, what hole that's going to drag you down in. 
Because that's what it does. Because there will never be a moment in your entire life that you can always, you, you will ever say, there's nothing for me really to ever check on my heart. There's nothing for me that ever has anything wrong. There's nothing in me that I'm just not sinning at all right now. I haven't sinned in days. And so today I have the right to do this towards people. No, you don't. Loving people means, his loving kindness means you, you, you methodically, but you gently and lovingly walk people through things. Right? And that's where we understand it's not me versus them. It's me and them. When, you know, one of the things that, that literally causes the religious spirit to, to, to leave you forever is when you start saying terminology such as, it's about us as a human race. It's about us as a church. It's about my, it's about all of us in this big family. It's about when I see somebody in India, it's about me and him or me and her. It's not me versus them. Me versus her. Me versus, you know, those people. Because that type of language is a huge open door to just say, hey, devil, come on in. Make us make yourself at home here, right? Because that's what you're doing. Because religion loves fragmentation. Religion loves brokenness. It loves abandonment because these areas actually teach you or show you, for lack of better words, that if I'm broken, you're going to be broken too. In other words, if I am broken, and the best way to make me feel good about myself and my brokenness is to point out your sin or your problems because the more I focus on you, I can sort of bypass and put the mask on to where you'll never see my own brokenness. And you will think that I'm more righteous than I feel I am. You'll think I'm more holy than I feel I am. You'll think I'm more of a Christian than what I feel I am. Because these, these things in religiosity do nothing more than mask brokenness. That's all it does. And so traditions, traditions are comfortable. Traditions are strong. They keep us uh, uh, grounded. Hear me out now. They keep us grounded and comfort. Now, once again, are certain traditions bad? I mean, if I, when I say I put a Christmas tree up every year, is that a tradition? Yes, it is. It's a tradition. We, in my house, we put Christmas trees up. It's not like God's saying, oh, that tradition of putting the Christmas tree up is making the Word of God of none effect. What he means is the traditions in your rituals within the Jewish culture, within the Christian culture, those, because, because a, a, um, relationship with God should never, ever, ever be about do's and don'ts, right or wrongs. It should be about love. Because love is the tree we were supposed to eat from. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is what to this very day is killing every one of us. Because we take, we eat the tree before God, we go before God and let that tree of the knowledge of good and evil be between us. And that knowledge will puff us up enough to make us feel grandeur, powerful, to where when I approach God, I can be that type of God, God feeling, and yet I can feel like I'm an equal, or I can feel like I've, I'm clean and clear because I'm so smart. I've been a Christian for a long time. And these are things, folks, that are just not true. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is where all this comes from. You know, think about God when He says, come before my presence boldly. Ask what you will. He doesn't say, come before my throne as long as you're clean, as long as you, you haven't, you know, sinned, making sure you're perfect, making sure you've memorized the entire Bible. He doesn't say that kind of stuff. Religious people do, though, right? 
And so here's the key thing is understanding it's not about how many times you've read the Bible, how long you've been a Christian, how many prophecies you can prophesy, how many people you've, you've healed by laying hands on them. None of this matters to God at all. He said, look, you can do anything you want to. You can, lay, you can raise the dead for all I care. You can, you can prophesy. And, and, every, and without love, you're literally nothing but a clanging symbol. In other words, you are, you're a sound and noise that really just irritates the fire out of my ears. <laughs> you know, that's how I say it. It's like, I'm sure God says, man, that just irritates me to no end. You know, it's like hard. It's like deafening for me to listen to because of the fact, not that God is not love, but because you're not loving the moment when you're doing your great expectations, your deeds and your and your giftings, and, and you're doing it out of love. And so what do you think God's going to do? He's going to look at you and say, you don't realize I am love. And, and if you're going to do anything towards me or with me, you've got to be like me. You've got to be me, which means you've got to be love. Don't have love, be love. Because the power of the, the uh, if you think about it, the tree of life is what we should be consumed with. The tree of life, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And that is, we should approach God with life and love. Because when I approach God through the life He's given me and the love, the infectious love I have for everyone I come in contact with and myself, and I just and I just don't want to see the wrongs in everybody all the time. I don't want to point the finger. I want to love people and love them to back to life. Because love is the healer, right? Not hate, not judgmentalism, not saying you better get it right right now or you're going to burn forever. No, that never has helped anybody. That's a fear factor that takes people through fear and they don't have a genuine heart in their change. And so you're making them actually force a change in their heart out of fear. And God's like, that means nothing to me because fear is the opposite of faith. And there's surely no love in there because fear. Think of it. The Bible says what? Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. That means that's God's love that casts out fear. So it is love that casts out fear. And so, if you're going to do anything, you're going to have to love people. Love everyone. Love, 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 love. Oh, it sounds like that sloppy agape again. Well, you know what? You're exactly right. And that's what I am. I'm sloppy with my love towards myself, towards my neighbor, towards everyone and anyone. Why? Because because if it worked for God, it's going to work for me. And if I need anything else outside of loving kindness, if I need anything else outside of love, if I need anything else out of mercy, then you know what? I'm bringing forth an, a, a, an antichrist. I'm doing something that says basically this. You're not good enough, God. And obviously you might have done that, but it doesn't work for me. And therefore, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create something more powerful that's gonna actually be more effective towards, towards people. That's Antichrist. But when you move as Christ, you eat from the tree of life, you give people life and you give them love, what happens is it's that loving kindness that draws them to repentance. Well, you know what? What if it doesn't change them within a week or two? That's none of your business. You know, one of the things I've realized is what people think about me is none of my business. Because of the fact, I, you know, do I want people to love me? Absolutely. I want everybody to like me. I'm not gonna lie about it. But if they don't, I'm gonna still I'm still gonna love them. I'm not gonna be vindictive and get back at them. You don't love me, I'll teach you a lesson or a thing or two, right? I'll call out your sin. No, that's not what it's about. It's about loving people. And knowing that you begin to understand that it's up to God in his time of what he wants to do. Hey, you know, hey, hey, it might be God is waiting to change you while you're waiting on somebody else in your family to change. I'm just waiting on Sally Sue God to change. I'm loving her. How much more? How many times do I have to keep on loving her before she changes God and quits doing this and this and this? And God's like, wow. 
So now you want a time frame because you're aggravated because it's not working for you, which means it's not working in your time frame. It's not working in what in what the way you wanted it. And God's like, so let's go back to how you're doing, how you're how you're saying you love Sally Sue. <laughs> Because what you've proven to me, talking about God, is that you truly don't love Sally Sue. Because if you truly loved her, love transcends past that. And love doesn't care in the sense of what is left up to God. Love has no attachments to it. The attachment you're putting to people to say, when is she going to change? How long, God? How much longer? And God's like, that's none of your business. None of your business. You need to shake your attitude at the front door because love cast out the fear that you're trying to put upon me because of the fact that you're fearful because it's not working the way you want it to work in the time frame you want it to work and it's not working in the pattern in which you want it to work in. And God's like, that's not love. Love has no restrictions to it. Love has no boundaries. Love has nothing attached to it. I'm commanded to love my neighbor. I'm commanded to love myself. I'm commanded to love my enemies. Well, Lord, I've been loving him forever and a day. I've been loving her forever and a day. God, my goodness, when are you going to do something about it? And God's like, once again, let's go back and see if you're truly loving this person. Because love has no attachments. It has no attachment of a time frame. Or their attitude, or how you should, or, or this, or this. Love has no attachments to it. Your job is to love. My job is to clean them up. My job is to do what I'm supposed to do, when I want to do it, and how I'm going to do it. Your job is to love. See, when we begin to attach ourselves to an outcome, when it deals with other people, when is this going to happen, God? Why aren't they doing that? Then you becoming religious. Hello, because your religious your religiosity, your religious spirits, your traditions are destroying your true love that you're supposed to have for the people, which means it might be at a place where that love is going to start coming upon you, which means then you'll start coming hard on yourself because you say, well, I love myself, but then you'll be like, oh, I'm so stupid today. Why can't I do this? Oh, this job is so ridiculous. Why am I on it? You know, I'm better than this. You know, oh, I can't, I'm just so dumb today. Look at me. I'm just so fat and ugly. Look at me. I just, uh, I can't do anything today. Is that real love? Because it sounds like to me there's a, some attachments to that love. I love you, but don't get overweight. I love you, but don't 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 slip up and say a cuss word. I love you, but you know what? I'm better than this job. I love my talking about you love you, talk about yourself. I love you, but no. Love says, you know what? Okay, you know what? I might be getting overweight here. My metabolism slowing down. You know, uh, talking about anyone out there. Okay, I've gained fifty pounds in the past three years. You know, did that? So, if love starts changing for you, and you say, "I don't love myself anymore because I've gained weight," then your love had an attachment to it. Hello, hello, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hello, attachments outside of Jesus. And what does he say the whole time? He says, I don't care. Love yourself the way you are. And it's a scientific fact that the more pressure you put upon your body and you're forcing your body to do something and you're not loving it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to store up more fat. It's going to store up more things. Now, I use this as an example because so many people struggle with this all the time. We all do. 
But the main thing I hear from people is, I just don't love myself because of this. I don't love myself because I, you know, I look this way. I don't love myself because I've got gray hair now. I don't love myself because, and they, and they attach something about themselves to it. And I'm like, then you never loved yourself. You loved yourself with attachments and stipulations. But when you say, you know what, hey, I need to lose some weight, but I still love who I am. You know what? I got gray hair now. Might need to quit dyeing it. But I love, but I still love who I am. Then you know you're truly loving yourself. And that way you know if I put it, if I do it to me that way, and I give that same type of idea and understanding to other people, just imagine, just imagine how much love we could have for ourselves and other people. That way, when I truly say, I've done it to the least of these, God, and God's like, hey, you've done it unto me, but also, you've done it unto yourself. Because when you love yourself, trust me, when you truly love yourself, wow, it'll be so easy to love other people. I always say, a person that doesn't love themselves, trust me, they will never love anyone else unconditionally. It'll always be attachments to them. I loved you and you still did this to me. I loved you, and, and and here you are doing, you know, uh, and you're 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 doing this and this this, and you're and the whole time you're like, you know what? You need to check yourself for the front door, because if you love yourself and give yourself that much grace, what if God is saying, now give other people that same amount of grace, folks? Let me tell you something. It would be amazing. It would be phenomenal if we could have that type of love for ourselves, but for God and for humanity. That's how you keep the religious spirit out of your life. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast, guys. It really means a lot to me. It really does. And I'm so honored and thrilled to be a part of your life. I want to encourage you guys in something. You know, I put together a series a while back that actually started selling a lot more recently. And it's called Bouncing Back Into Life Series. So if you go to the website, identitynetwork.net, put in these key words in the search engine. Bouncing Back Into Life bouncing back into life four words bouncing back into life when you do press that search button it's going to pull up five dynamic books they're going to help you to get rid to face truth for yourself know what truth is for you healing your wounds you know telling you it didn't kill you it can make you stronger getting you out of ruts that can bring forth the newness of life and goes on and, and teaching you a true warfare is to where you don't have to engage in something that is dragging you down i mean i this series will will really test your heart to say wow you know what i'm truly bouncing back into the life God has died to give me. And you'll love it. You really will. So I want to encourage every one of you, get the series today, Bouncing Back Into Life series, and you guys are going to love it. And look, as always, before I close, I say this. If you don't like your day, here's what I want you to do. I want you to restructure the way you're thinking, the restructure the way you're seeing yourself, restructure the way you're seeing your day, put some love and life into today, put a pep in your step, and you know what? Your whole day will begin to change again. I guarantee you. Have a blessed day. Talk to you soon. This has been the Thoughts Become Things podcast with Jeremy Lopez, helping you reach your highest creative potential that God has for you. For more episodes, products, and information on Jeremy, visit www.identitynetwork.net.